Testing one, two, three, one, two, three. better. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. I just wanted to follow up with what everybody else did last week on uh, highlighting the men's ministry. Just a couple of quick bullet points. We will continue to meet on the second Saturday, as obviously as time and other circumstances allow. We, we adjust as we go. Um, and we will likely start taking the prayer meetings on location. Uh, I was really really uh, moved, I guess, by what Sister Paul said about they go out and do prayer walks and they don't, they don't, they aren't loud and pretentious about it. They just go to an area and they pray and pray, you know, and so I believe that, and I've already been feeling to do that. So I believe we're going to start meeting here and then going to on location somewhere by one of the universities or by a certain neighborhood. We'll just feel after God. Uh, but we're going to start taking our prayer to the streets, taking it to the areas, and and um, get outside of our box. Amen. Amen. There's lots of areas in Lacrosse. Amen. We, if you know of a building that's available, maybe we need to go pray for a building, pray about a building. You know, we just uh, we'll just follow after the Holy Ghost when. Um, we will try to participate in as many men's functions as we can, and we'll have an announcement about one here shortly. There is one coming up for the section, so uh, once again, as, as men are available, as their time allows them, uh, we're going to participate in as many things as we can regarding men. And uh, we will continue to rotate different men in our men's group from time to time to speak to the group. I think it's good. Every one of us... I'm going to just reamplify what Brother Becker has said since he's been here. Every one of us has a ministry. And we need to at least do something to exercise our ministry. And to, uh, you know, when I was in PI, one of the things that, you know, somebody asked, why do we have to write all these papers? And one of the instructors said, because we need to know that you can put your thoughts on paper in a, in a way that makes sense. And so by the same token, we, be, we need to be able to give an answer to every man, even if it's to one another. And what better way to, if you want to use this word, practice teaching and then to teaching the people in a comfortable environment, people you know. You know, I talked about that when I taught the, taught the uh, home Bible study lessons. It's, there's nothing wrong with you sitting across the table from your wife and teaching her a Bible study. And vice versa, to just get into practice of doing it. You can help each other. And so we're just going to continue to do that. As the Lord grows the church, we're going to add more men to the men's group and encourage everybody to keep coming in Jesus' name. Jesus. Praise the Lord. We do have lots of things coming up. Our first is the men's prayer breakfast on March 4th. That is going to be in Stevens Point at 9 a.m. Make plans to go. It's good to get together with the others in our section in our district. Also on March 4th, we will have a youth and hyphen game night at Pastor's House, uh, 6 to 9 p.m. March 5th is our Faith Promise service. We have Brother Stevens will be ministering to us. Um, That will be in our second service. And then the monthly men's prayer on March 11th, that will be from 8 to 9. And the ladies group also on March 11th from 10 a.m. to noon. Uh, We're still in the book study with the notable women of Scripture. Uh, We're actually going to be talking about the Samaritan woman. If you don't have uh, that book, please see Sister DeMuth, and she can see if she can get you a copy of that. Also, March 12th, we are going to have a potluck. Oh, I'm sorry. uh, Our Save Our Children offering will be given on March 12th. So 
please be in prayer about that. Also on March 12th, we are going to have a potluck. We are going to be honoring uh, Brother Rapage, who is retiring as the maintenance director of our church. So please, we encourage you to be here for that. Hallelujah. What God is doing all across the land. See His Spirit moving, feel His mighty hand. He's breaking chains of bondage, setting captives free. Look what God is doing to those who do believe. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Oh, you are worthy, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Praise God. Praise God. We will sing unto the Lord our God and we will rejoice today in the God of our salvation. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are my King. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. It is You that purchased me with Your spilt blood. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are my Lord and God. You are my Savior and my Redeemer. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your excellent loving kindness. Thank you for your presence in this place and for this opportunity you've given all of us to enter in to the presence of Almighty God. We will sit at your feet for a time here today, Lord Jesus, worshiping and praising our Creator. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. What an awesome God we serve. As we grow in grace and in knowledge, as we grow in relationship with Him, we, we understand more things about Him. We, we draw closer to Him. Our understanding increases, but if we live a thousand years down here, folks, we'll not scratch the surface of His goodness or of His greatness. Amen. What a wonderful, glorious God we serve. He is altogether worthy of our worship. Praise God, and He is doing great things all across the land. Praise God. You can be seated. Amen. It is my great pleasure, privilege, delight 
to present this Holy Ghost certificate. Sister Karina, if you would come forward, please. Super excited for this journey that God has taken me on and excited to see how it works. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So you try to sneak in under the radar on Wednesday. But uh, that's right, a little sneaky. <laughs> Praise God. We're so excited for her. Amen. <clears throat> What a what a privilege it's been to have her in our congregation. Amen. Praise God. Such a sweet spirit. Servant's heart. Amen. We appreciate you, Sister Karina. God bless you. Amen. Michael also received the Holy Ghost, uh, but he is with his sister, er, his aunt. His sister, okay. So he's not here with us. Hopefully next Sunday he'll be here. We can give that to him. Amen. Continue to pray for Michael. Praise God. He needs to be discipled now. Amen. Praise God. At this time we're going to call Sister Rudy up to the front. She's going to be ministering the word of the Lord to us today. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap and raise your voice? He's worthy of all our praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your mercy, your grace, for everything you've done and you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Thank you, Lord. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. That's what we're going to be doing in eternity. We're going to be at his throne room and we're going to be worshiping him. So this is the practice. And he is so worthy of all our praise. The scripture verse we're going to go to today is going to be Exodus 13. I know we've been speaking a lot about Exodus. We've been speaking a lot about the children of Israel. But the Lord laid this on my heart from the beginning of our Bible study in the mornings, Sunday morning. So this is what I'm going to speak to you about, and it's called Expectations. So Exodus 13, and it came to pass, when Pharaoh let the people go, that God, just a minute, I didn't need this last time, but I'll do it today. And it came to pass, when Moses had let the people go, that God let them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, For God said, least preadventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones away hence with you. And they took the journey from Sukkoth and encamped in Etham in the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by the day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So we're going to be talking about the Israelites again, and you may be seated, and the Lord bless you today. Um, When it talks about the Israelites going and they were harnessed, I thought, well, what does that mean? So I looked that word up, and harnessed means they they were ready for battle. They had the equipment that they needed for battle. Now, three times in chapter 13, Moses said to the people, With a strong hand, the Lord brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Today we're going to be talking about expectations. What did the people expect? What did God expect? What did happen? For 430 years, they were expecting 
to leave the land of Egypt. They knew that was not their home place. They knew the stories that had been carried down. They knew that God had promised Abraham a place. They knew that Egypt was not the place they were to dwell and live in. And they had been told over and over, when you leave this land, Joseph made them promise to take his bones because he knew that was not the resting place of the Israelites, that God had a place for them to go. So when the time had come that they were to leave Egypt, God was telling them, with a strong hand, the Lord will bring you out of the land of Egypt. The Lord was going to be fighting for them. The Lord was going to be on their side. They had already seen the ten plagues. They had already seen the mighty hand of God. They had seen all the gods of the Egyptians displaced. They had seen that God was the only one true God. They had seen the separation of them and the Egyptians after the first three plagues. They knew what God had done. They had already seen his hand working in their life. When they left, they didn't go empty-handed. They had gifts from the Egyptians. The Egyptians wanted to get out of there. They had already there, they had gone through all these plagues, and the firstborn had already died. What more could happen to them? At least they all perished. They wanted them out of there. So they had clothes and gifts and silver and food, everything they could need. They had the weapons that they needed. They had spoiled Egypt, although they had not lifted a finger. God had done the work. He was preparing them. He was trying to teach them that he was their God and what he said he would do. So he takes them out of the land of Egypt. They go, they camp, and sure enough, God hardens Pharaoh's heart, and Pharaoh comes after them. And when they see Pharaoh coming after them, they were disheartened. And you know what? I don't really blame them because this was a mighty army. They had horses and they had chariots. They were men that had been prepared for battle. The Israelites had been slaves. They had been bondmen and bondwomen. They had been in the fields working. They hadn't been prepared for war. And I think when they left, they thought, okay, this is it. We don't have to worry about the Egyptians. And I would have thought so too. But they were afraid. That's why God had already implanted in them I will fight for you. So we know what happens. God puts the pillar of cloud between them and the Egyptians. And all night long, they could not see each other. He parts the Red Sea. They walk through the Red Sea on dry ground. And when they're on the other side and the Egyptians are halfway through, the flood comes, the waters, the walls come down, and the Egyptians are all drowned in the Red Sea. And then Moses writes a song, and Miriam sings, and it's beautiful. It is so beautiful. Because God is trying to establish for them some principles, some patterns. There are so many principles and patterns in the Word of God. You just have to try to dig them out and see, what is God trying to tell us? You know, his Word is infinite. People can read a word and they can get as many different people as read it, get different ideas from it, different revelation from it. So he's trying to set up this pattern for them. I'm your God. I'm going to take care of you. You don't need to be afraid. That's what your expectation needs to be, is I'm going to go before you. I'm going to fight for you. I will supply every need that you have. But how many days later? Three days later? Three days later. They run out of food. They start murmuring and complaining because that's their pattern. Because they were slaves in Egypt. Because they had a slave mentality. Who's going to take care of us? Okay, all the food's gone. You know, there's no crops out here in this desert. Who's going to... You know, they had just seen that great miracle. They had just seen all those plagues. They had seen what God could do. But they still had the same mentality. They were still tethered to Egypt. They hadn't cut that yet. So God says, okay, let's go to let's go to the next Exodus fourteen. Let's go to Exodus fourteen. Verses thirteen and fourteen. 
And the Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still. And this is before the flood came, I believe. And the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today, for the Egyptians who you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you. Ye shall hold your peace. Peace. Peace like a river. Before they cross the Red Sea, Moses is telling them, stand still and watch. Because God is setting up patterns for us. He wants us to understand that he's fighting for us. He said, with a strong hand, I'll fight for you. The Lord went before them and behind them. He had already established that there was going to be a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. That his presence was going to go with them wherever they traveled. That was a pattern that he was trying to get into their minds. That I am with you. You can, they could physically see the presence of the Lord right then. So they, three days later, they're hungry. They're not remembering. The presence of the Lord is right there. I can see his cloud. But what are we going to do? So, what does God do? Can we go to the next scripture, please? And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them, and the pillar and the cloud went before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud of darkness to them. But it gave light by night, to those, and so the ones that came near to the other all that night. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died at the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, when we did eat bread to the full, for ye have brought us forth unto this wilderness to kill us this whole assembly with hunger. They were longing for their slavery because they didn't trust the one whose presence they could see by night and day because they hadn't cut the tether and they were still slaves and they wanted somebody to take care of them in the flesh. They didn't trust the God who was with them. So what does God do? He sends manna, bread for them to eat. He sends quail. He sends so many quail that they get sick. They end up vomiting up. They were sick of eating it. He sent the food. So God is faithful. He's strong. He's trying to teach them. This is the pattern. Okay, you have a need. I supplied your need. I'm fighting for you. But then the Israelites also had this pattern. Their pattern was, I don't trust you. This is good for now, but wait until something comes up next. He was preparing them to go take the land that he was going to supply all, it was the land of, of honey. It was, it was, it, they had gardens and cities, gardens they didn't plant, cities they didn't build. During this short period of time, he was trying to prepare them to go to battle. He said, I'll be fighting for you. It wasn't them that was going to, they weren't going to win all the victories. It was the Lord that was going to go before them. But he was trying to prepare them for what, for what was ahead. It was a short period of time. He was trying to get them out of the mindset of being tethered to slavery. You know, I have heard told that when people are incarcerated, especially for a long period of their lives, when they are finally set free and out of prison, they don't know how to behave in society because they are used to being told everything. They're given the food to eat. They're told when they can shower, when they can go to bed, when they can get up, what they can watch, what they can't. Their whole life is structured. And sometimes some of them just cannot function in the real world, so they end up doing something so they can get back to where somebody is taking care of them. And that's what happened with the Israelites. They were so used to being slaves, they forgot what Abraham was told. They forgot the promises of Isaac and Jacob. They were tethered to their past. They couldn't get over the fact that they had been slaves, and now God was setting them free. He was going to fight for them. He was going to take care of them. This was a promise that Abraham never got to see. 
It had been 430 years that they had become a nation. And now God was fulfilling that promise. And they weren't willing to cut the bond, to cut that tether. Because when any situation came up for them, they were murmuring and complaining. God's like, no, I'm setting a pattern for you. Do you not see my presence? Have you not rehearsed the things that that have just come to pass? And now you have no water, and you're going to Moses, and you're murmuring and complaining again, again. Because their mindset just came, we had what we needed in Egypt. Did you bring us out here to kill us? No, he didn't. I'm with you. So they murmur and complain. And God comes through again. And he provides water for them, for their cattle, for their children. Any need they had, God provided. He was showing them a pattern, a way of life. You know, sometimes we get tethered to our past and we don't even realize it. It doesn't matter if you've had the Holy Ghost for 50 years. Sometimes it's just one thing. Maybe it's a smell. Maybe it's something that somebody said. Maybe it's a situation that happened. And before you know it, you're back there. And you didn't even realize it. That was what the Lord brought to my mind. When he talked about being tethered to Egypt, There was just something that happened, and then there were these thoughts, and then the Lord said, don't you understand what's happening? You're still tethered to that. You've got to let that go. You know, sometimes I can go in a store, and I can smell this one perfume, and I think of my grandma immediately. I don't even know the name of it or if they even make it anymore. But it's because my mind is tethered with that. I remember that smell from my childhood. And it was a good smell. It brings back good memories. And sometimes it's a good thing, but sometimes not so much. So even though we have the Holy Ghost, Karina, this is the beginning. The Lord's training you. He's teaching you. We have to be aware of the patterns and the things that God wants from us. Because the things that he's going to do through you, the things he wants to use us for, we have got to be aware of his presence. His presence now dwells in us. Everywhere we walk, just like the Israelites, his presence is with us. We don't have to go to the temple to the holiest of holies. We've got it within us. This is one of the patterns he's given to us. We can have that peace. We can walk by faith. We can go where he wants us to go. I don't have to be tethered to what I was before I came to Jesus. I don't have to be tethered to the personality I thought that I had. I don't be, have to be, I can be out of that comfort zone because I am tethered to my God. And he said he would be with me. So he provides water for them. So then what happens next? So then they make camp and then God is on the mountain and they're afraid, you know, the thunderings and the lightnings and it's like smoke coming off the mountain. So Moses goes up to speak with God to face to face. Now remember, they were in Egypt for 430 years. But after 40 days, they became discontent. And I thought to myself, Lord, they were in Egypt for 430 years, repeating the stories over and over how God had promised Abraham this land, how he had promised him descendants more than the stars, more than the sand of the sea. And 40 days go by, and Moses hasn't come down from that mountain, but yet they can still see your presence is still there, and they can see your cloud in your pillar 40 years 430 years and 40 days and they said "Uh uh-uh Aaron make us a god we don't know where that leader Moses is and so he did because they were tethered to Egypt and the god they made was a golden calf something that God had destroyed his presence was still there yet they were tethered they didn't have the mind of God. They didn't get what God was trying to teach them. They were so tethered to their past, they couldn't cut that cord. And eventually, when they came to the promised land, everybody knows the story. They didn't go in. They marched through that wilderness for 40 years. But in those 40 years, God was still faithful. Their clothes didn't wear out. He fed them. He gave them water. Their ankles didn't swell. 
but their children that had not been tethered to Egypt. They were the ones that got to go and conquer and take that land to, to follow through on the promise that God had given them. There are so many examples in the Bible of people that get tethered to things, to their past, and they don't get past it, and they don't get to where God wants them to go because they are not able to let go. And it can be the smallest thing, and sometimes they don't even know it. I think about Captain Naaman. He was a Syrian captain, but God had made a way for him. God knew that he would get leprosy. He also knew that Naaman would go, and through his conquering, he would get a little Israelite daughter, and he would bring her back to be the maid of his wife. Leprosy is such an ugly disease. He was the captain. The king, he had many victories for the king of Syria, and the king had established him in authority and power. And when he got that leprosy, there was nothing anybody could do. There was no cure for leprosy. But that maiden who was captured, she said to her mistress, Oh, if he could only go to the prophet in Israel, he would be healed. So he did. He was a mighty man of valor. The king wrote a letter. He wrote it to the king of Israel. He had all these talents of gold, 10,000, 6,000 pieces of gold, 10 changes of raiment, 10 talents of silver Naaman brought to the king of Israel because he wanted to be healed of leprosy. It was a sentence of death. It was, sen- it was a sentence of separation. It was a sentence of loneliness. It was painful. So he would go. He was a man of valor. He was important. He would go. But the king of Israel thought it's a trick. He's like, what can I do? I can't heal him. The king of Syria is trying to set me up. But Elisha the prophet heard it. And he said, send the man here. So Naaman went. But Naaman's tether, his tether was, I'm an important man. I'm the king of the Assyrian army. I've had many battles. And I've been a conqueror. So he's going to come out. He's going to meet me. I'm going to be healed. He's going to speak a word and that's going to be it. And that was not God's plan. And so when he sent out a servant and said, go wash in the Jordan, it infuriated him. It made him really angry. First of all, the Jordan was a a muddy river. And there were many other rivers that were cleaner and better. And who was this prophet that wouldn't even come out and speak to, to Naaman? He couldn't even come out and speak to me? Like I could come out and I, I could destroy him right now. But that was not God's plan. And he was, he was on his way, going back to Syria when his men stopped him and said, Listen, you are a mighty man of valor. And if he had asked you to do something down that vein, you would have done it. But he's just asking you to dip in the Jordan seven times. It's like, what do you have to lose? Can't you cut that? Can't you cut that cord of pride? And he did. He, he cut that tether. That was keeping him from his healing. And he was healed. Think about the New Testament and all the different people and things. The thing that came to my mind so prevalently was the woman who had the issue of blood. For 12 years, she was unclean. She had spent all of her money. There was no hope for her. The physicians couldn't help her. But she had heard of this man, Jesus. Many people had heard of him. Many healings, many deliverances. Demonic spirits had to be obedient to him. She had heard what God could do. But there was a crowd around Jesus. In fact, he was on his way to heal Jairus' daughter. Jairus was an important man. The whole crowd was following Jesus to see what's going to happen. Is his daughter going to be healed? Who was she? But you know what? She cut that tether. I am unclean, but I, all I have to do, and it had not been done like this before, all I have to do is touch the hem of his garment. If I can sneak through, if I can crawl through, whatever it is that I need to do, I'm going to get to that Jesus. Because my expectation is when I touch the hem of his garment, when I cut the tether, 
I'm not this person. I'm not this issue of blood. I am no longer going to be this lady that cannot be cured. So she did. She went through the crowd. She touched the hem of Jesus' garment, and immediately virtue came from him. And he said, who touched me? And his disciples said, Jesus, there is a throng of crowd of people. What do you mean? Everybody's crowding around. How do we know who touched you? But it was different because when she touched him, she had expectation that he was going to do what he had done before for others. She was not going to be tethered to her illness anymore because he is a mighty God. And she could see what he could do. And there was hope for her. For the first time in her life, after 12 years, there was hope. She had no other hope but him. She was desperate. And sometimes it's desperation that creates the expectation that God will cut the tether. And I will be and do what he wants me to do. I will be healed. I will be whole. I will follow after Jesus. This is his pattern. I don't stay the same. I didn't just receive the Holy Ghost and got stuck there. No, I moved on. I grew in his grace and his knowledge. I learned his word. I tried him. Yes, he does heal. Yes, I was filled with the Holy Ghost. Yes, he covers my sins. Yes, he brings revelation and understanding. Yes, he does what he says he does. Yes, he saves. Yes, he keeps his promises. Whether it's 430 years, yesterday, or 50 years, he never changes. He's always the same. So she touched his garment, and he knew virtue came. And he said, who touched me? And she was afraid because this had not been done this way before. Then she spoke up. It was her testimony. It was her testimony to others that God can do what you expect him to do. He has expectations of us. He has patterns and, and, and plans for us. If we will abide by his word, if we will see that his presence is with us, if we will seek understanding and revelation, he is with us. If we refuse to be tethered, I refuse to be tethered to what the enemy is trying to tell me. I refuse to be tethered that my unsafe family is not going to be saved. That's not a tether for me. What God says he will do, it might be 50 years down the road, but he will do it because he said he would. I will not be tethered because there's a small congregation here because he said that there will be revival in La Crosse. I will not be tethered to what others have said of me. They are not true. I am tethered to him. He is my God. I am not tethered to my age. Every morning, do you know what I read? I read, he satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Do I always feel like that? No, but I repeat it over and over. I heard a minister not too long ago say, the Lord knows you're tired. I've been tired all my life. The Lord knows that. But he renews my strength like the eagles. Because I believe his word. Because I repeat his word. And there's one more story I want to talk about. There was a little boy named Tommy. Sister Freeman knew him. Tommy was a precious little boy. At about five years old, he comes up to Sister Freeman and he says, Sister Freeman, I'm called to preach. I'm going to be a preacher someday. And Sister Freeman pats his head says, oh, Tommy, that's nice. That's nice. You see, Tommy was a stutterer. And not just a little, but it was bad. So every once in a while, all through the years as he was growing up, he said, Sister Freeman, in that stutter, I'm going to be a minister. I was called to preach. That's nice, Tommy. That's nice. But Sister Freeman thought, of all the miracles she had seen, she still thought, it's going to be a pretty difficult calling. So he grew. Because Tommy was not tethered to the physical. He was tethered to what God had told him. 
God, and if God tells you something, you repeat it, you believe it until you see it. Because God does not lie. So, Tommy grew, and he began to preach. Well, the first time he spoke, the beginning of the sermon, there was some stuttering. But as he went on and on, the stutter was gone. The second sermon, the stutter was gone. After that, the stutter was gone. Because Tommy was not tethered. He could have been tethered to that. He could have said, no, I can't do it. No, it wasn't God that called me. But he believed what God had spoken to him. If there is something in your life that you're tethered to, cut it. Don't believe the enemy. That's what he has against us. He doesn't want us to believe what God has told us. He doesn't want us to believe that there is more for us. We are not tethered to this world. We are not tethered to what the outside world thinks. We are not tethered to what we are made fun of. We are tethered to the promises of God. Prayer and fasting is what brings revival. You know, people, Brother Becker talked about Brother Stone King. He was not special. But the key was, when he came in, the night he got the Holy Ghost, he was healed. He had been in a very severe car accident when he was 16 years old. His spine was all messed up. He had to go to the doctor or the chiropractor every two to three days. Otherwise, he couldn't move. He was in pain all the time. But when he received the Holy Ghost, he was healed. And the next day, he had a landlady that he owed some money to. So he went to her house, and she couldn't even get out of bed. I don't remember what the illness was. I want to say it was a migraine. But because he had been healed, he went to her kitchen cupboard. He got some oil. He anointed her with oil, and he prayed for her, and she was immediately healed. So therefore, he knew God had healed him, and he was not tethered to any illness anymore. Neither was he going to believe that there was any illness that could not be healed. And then from then on, when he worked, he went home from work, he ate his meal, and he laid on the floor and prayed till he went to bed. It's by prayer and fasting that some of these things are going to come. We have to be willing to be stretched, to be pushed, to go beyond our comfort zones. If you will do that, if you will not be tethered to what you think you are, or only limited to what you think you can do, or your age, or whatever the situation and circumstance are. Yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable. But his presence is with you. Like touching the hem of the garment. We don't even have to push the crowd. We just need to say the name of Jesus. There's so much power in the name of Jesus. He wants to do something for you today. I don't know what it is. I just feel like we just need to come and pray. This is an apostolic altar. This is where God can do the work that needs to be done. So if you would come in Jesus' name. God is limited only by us, church. He's bound himself to us. Let's loose him today in this place. Let's lose our faith. Let's let God do everything, everything that He wants to do here today. What does He want to do here today? What does He want to do here today? What does He want to do for you? What does He want to do in your life? Loose Him. Give Him free reign. Amen. You heard the Word of the Lord. Let's respond to it now in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, I am so thankful for You. I am so thankful for this opportunity You've given us this morning to enter into Your presence, to respond to You by faith. Whatever tethers are in our life, Lord Jesus, if we're tethered to fear or doubt, if we're tethered to self-image, if we're tethered to circumstances that happened in our past, hurts and wounds, I pray, Jesus, that You'd break them right now. That You'd loose these tethers that have bound us, that have held us back, that have hindered us, retether us to the promises of God. 
retether us to you, thou most high God. Hallelujah, Jesus. You're not bound by anything. You're not bound by anyone. My limitations don't bind you in any form, fashion, shape, or, or any, any, any way. You're not bound by me. You're glorified in me. Hallelujah, Jesus. I pray, God, that You would use each and every one of us as we submit ourselves to You, as we submit ourselves to You in faith, as we give ourselves wholly and completely to You, understanding that there are no limitations in our lives, not with You. If You've called us to do something, it's going to happen. If You've given us a promise, it must come to pass. Whatever we're seeing with our eyes, whatever we're feeling with our hearts, if it's contrary to that, Lord, get rid of it. Move it aside. Get us past those things and help us to understand the promise of God is yea and amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. The calling of God is yea and amen. If we'll submit ourselves to You, if we'll simply take You at Your Word. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. God's an awesome God. God's a faithful God. Praise God. Praise God. Actually, if there are any needs right now in the congregation, if you have a need of any kind, you want God to take care of it, I'm going to ask that you come forward. We'll pray for you. Praise God. Let's lose God into our circumstances. Let's let God loose into our situations. See what He'll do. Amen. I've tried the Lord Jesus and I've found Him to be altogether true and faithful. Praise God. Amen. If you'll give Him free reign in your situation, if you give Him free reign in your life, there's nothing He cannot accomplish. There's nothing He cannot fix, take care of, heal, restore, deliver, provide for. Whatever the need is. Praise God. All we've got to do is take Jesus at His Word. Praise God. <laughs> 